everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with a native of Raleigh, North Carolina, who I was lucky enough to have seen on stage twice before here in the Triangle area back in 2015. First as Alpha Bun, the national tour of Wicked at the Durham Performing Arts Center, then as the Baker's Wife in North Carolina Theater's production of Into the Woods. On Broadway, she has appeared in Evita, In Transit, and Beautiful, the Carol King musical, but most recently, she was seen in the ensemble of the now Tony-nominated musical, Jagged Little Pill. Please welcome Laurel Harris. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Well, hey, it's great to have you. So, Thank you. Yeah, Thanks so to so start much. things off, how have you been doing during this time of lockdown due to the coronavirus? I understand that you and your husband, actor Rob Marnell, who was just in the Tina Turner musical, have both managed to recover from COVID-19 earlier this year. Yes, thank you so much. Um, we feel very grateful and lucky, of course, um, to be on the other side of having gone through the COVID virus and are continuing to take it very seriously, of course, always wearing our masks. Hope everyone here is as well. We're still wiping down our groceries. I mean, we are taking it very seriously, of course, because it is a pandemic. So mm -hmm. we also, you know, like so many millions of people who are without jobs, you know, the more that we can get a handle on this as a country, the sooner that we'll be able to go back to work. So mm -hmm. anytime we see someone not wearing a mask, we get very angry because we're like, you're part of the problem. <laughs> Why we can't go back to work. But what have we been doing? Well, We've been taking it day by day, you know, as we all have been doing, and we've been lucky enough to be able to do a little bit of work here and there, um, some concert work and, you know, just like random kind of like virtual gigs here and there where we've been asked to sing some songs or, you know, speak to people, do Q&As or teach classes. I have been teaching a bunch of classes, actually, which has been really fulfilling for me. Um, to get to connect to youth, of course. And I've been doing a lot of acting through song classes, which I love to do. You can find me on empoweringtheartist.com. And yeah, just, you know, really trying to prioritize family and being healthy and being responsible. Lots of time that we didn't used to have, of course, that we've been trying to fill in really meaningful and proactive ways. Well, yeah, in fact, I should point out, I was able to take a virtual acting through song class that Megan McGinnis taught a few months ago. That was Oh, thanks. cool. Well, yeah, it was thanks to the powers that be at Theater Raleigh that I was able to participate. So That's wonderful. Oh, I love Megan McGinnis. She actually lives um, in my co-op. <laughs> oh, wow. She lives like two doors down from me. Hmm. She's wild. She's so incredibly talented, really good person, of course. So I'm glad you got to see that. It's very cool. How did you get involved with the most recent Broadway show you're in, Jagged Little Pill? Kind of like, you know, a lot of, well, any job really in our industry, uh, we I had to audition for it, of course. And when I found out there was going to be a musical based on Alanis Morissette's album, or albums, I should say, I emailed my agents right away. And I said, I don't know when this is happening, but I really need to be a part of this. So please like put it in your calendars. As soon as the casting notice goes out, I want to, I want to be in there. I want to audition. That had been on my radar for about six months before auditions even happened. And then of course, as soon as they announced, I went in for the Mary Jane cover. So I sang some of that material Gosh, what did I even sing? I sang part of Forgiven. And then I did several of her scenes. And then I read for a whole bunch of other characters in the ensemble. So the ensemble of the show is really cool because where every person plays many different roles. So you kind of get to try on a bunch of hats 
in the two and a half hours. And I have a really fun role because I carry a lot of the comedic scenes. So I get to play some really inappropriate white women. And (laughs) it is quite the journey playing some characters that, you know, are not me, obviously, but, you know, entering into that world. And it's fun to get to do a lot of different things within the show. So I did a bunch of scenes with those characters as well, representing those characters as well. And then I did a dance call, which actually lasted, I believe it was two or three days, the dance call. It was very intense. Um, Our choreographer, Sidi Larby, is an incredible choreographer. He does stuff all over the world. He's based out of Belgium. He's one of Beyonce's choreographers. His choreography is very nuanced and it takes a while to kind of figure it out. So it was quite a journey, you know, learning that style of dance. And it is a big part of the show. It didn't actually used to be, but now it is very much part of the show. It's a very dance heavy show. So that became a big part of the audition as well. And then, yeah, I got it which was great. (laughs) And I began my journey with the show and it's been almost three years. I've done several workshops and readings and labs and obviously the ART production that happened two years ago in Boston. And then we finally opened on Broadway this past December and it has been a journey. And we actually just had a big Zoom yesterday uh, with the whole cast and crew and creative team. And Alanis was there also, which was really neat to talk about all of our Tony nominations, which has been very exciting. We're still, you know, connecting when we can virtually and just trying to stay positive um, while also we're all very socially active and, and getting out the vote and, you know, doing all of that work as well. So that's my jagged experience. sounds like you were a big Alanis Morissette fan prior to this show oh yeah major 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 I actually I learned how to sing by listening to the Jagged Little Pill album in the 90s I would like mimic her voice Alanis and Jewel those were my two girls and I actually learned how to yodel by listening to them as well so it's kind of funny because every role that I take on, I kind of like add my like signature yodels to it. And people are like, how did you learn how to do that? I say, well, actually, I would mimic the like yodel sounds that you hear in these voices of these albums that I listen to on repeat. So yeah, she was definitely very instrumental in me pursuing a career in singing for sure, Alanis. And it's just been so awesome to get to know her. And it's wild. Like, I never would have thought that if you told my you know, teenage self that I would be working with Alanis Morissette one day and she'd be like coming to watch me in a show and listen to me sing her stuff. It's just like, what? It's crazy. It's wild. March 12th of this year was the day that performances all over the New York theater districts got suspended until further notice. Now, what was going through your mind when you first saw that announcement? It was pretty wild. I was actually on the train down to go to physical therapy before work because, again, our show is so dance heavy that a lot of us get physical therapy to sustain our bodies so that we can do the intense choreography eight times a week. I was on my way to the clinic, and then I this text popped up on my phone, and it just said Broadway's shut down, or it announced the shutdown. And, you know, there's so many people that, well, that live in my neighborhood, but obviously we, all of us artists, like, well, not all, but like the majority of us take the train. And so just within my car, I could hear other people's phones dinging and they saw the same message, like, oh my gosh, Broadway shut down. And we, I didn't even know these other people, but we kind of all looked at each other and we were like, oh, are you in a show too? Oh my gosh, you're in a show too. We're, this is wild. What do we do? You know, what's going on? But we all just 
stayed on the train and got off at Times Square and I went to my physical therapy session and then I just got a call from my stage manager and one of the producers and they said they had a big call phone call with all of us and then we were able to go to the theater that night and kind of pick up whatever we needed to pick up to take home with us but at that point yeah, it was only going to be a month. So they were saying, you know, take what you'll need for the month and then we'll be back. And some people like left their plants there. And I said, you know, I don't, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but I really think this is going to last longer than a month. So I took one of my friend's plants and I'm so glad I did because it surely would have died by now. And yeah, since then, obviously they've let us come back a few more times to get more of our stuff, but that's been it. That's been the only time that we've been back to the theater. So Oh, yeah. And that was good thinking on your part, especially since when this pandemic began, you know, everyone thought it was only going to last a few weeks, but it was clearly not the case. Yeah. And I don't think anybody, I mean, of course, no one ever wants to think the worst. But, you know, again, if, if we were looking at the rest of the world and what was going on, then it was clearly not going to be, you know, a quick recovery for our country either. And unfortunately, because of our leadership, it's been worse than many other countries. So I didn't know if I could be political, but I don't really care anymore. I'm like, mm, it's this isn't even a political issue. It's a morality issue and people are dying and there's, you know, we're close to 230,000 deaths in our country and it's just, this is not okay. So yeah, needs to be talked about. And recently, Jagged Little Pill received 15 Tony Award nominations, including Best Musical. Not only is that the most of any show this year, but it's also now tied with Billy Elliot and the producers as the second most nominated production in the history of the American theater wing. Hamilton still holds the record with 16 knots. So what does it mean to you to see Jagged Little Pill get all this recognition just seven months after the Broadway shutdown began? It's wild. I mean, it's obviously it's like it's so exciting and we're very thrilled and and everyone is so happy of course and it's also it's multi-layered because it, it does feel strange to be celebrating anything right now of course with a global pandemic going on and black lives matter and everything going on in nigeria with sars and police brutality and you know there's so much work to be done it feels a little strange to be having the tonys this year and a, a lot of artists feel this way especially you know because it's virtual and i don't we don't even know like how it's going to happen this year so that has been an interesting dynamic to add to this celebratory time of course of you know wow this is really exciting we're so happy to be recognized while also recognizing you know it was a, a shorter season and like the world is turned upside down right now so it's kind of twofold it's, it's keeping us very humble I guess I'll say that so it's very humbling obviously we want the theater to come back as soon as we can and and we're all artists and lovers and so we just we want everyone to be healthy we want to come back when everyone's going to be healthy and we can do it in a safe way. And yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to celebrate something right now too, of course, to have that joy and happiness and to, to gather the cast and be like, look, we did something really cool, you know? So that's really great too. And and I think it's, there's just so much unknown right now. So it's, you know, we don't know when it's happening or how it's happening. So perhaps when we get that information, it'll just make it that much more real. But right now it feels very surreal. Like, wait, there's a Tony's and oh, it is happening. Oh, wow. Okay. And 15 nominations. Oh my gosh. That's what? It's definitely, it's very cool. And it's just, we're all kind of like taking it all in and yeah, very happy, of course. Thank you. I've never been a part of a show that has been nominated for so many Tonys ever. <laughs> it's like, it's, 
yeah, it's wild. Although this is the second time you've been in a show that garnered major Tony nominations. The first was the Michael Grandage Helms revival of Evita back in 2012, which happened to have been mm-hmm. your Broadway debut. Obviously, there are major differences between now and then. But what do you remember of your experience doing that show during Tony season? Oh, my gosh. Well, that was so I mean, that's the other thing that I'm a little bummed for, like, or I shouldn't say bummed. I'm a, I'm a little let down. We have 13 Broadway debuts in our show. That's another reason that I feel sad that it's not going to be, you know, at Radio City and or the Beacon Theater and they're getting the full Tony's experience. I'm sure they're still going to find a way to make it really cool, obviously. But yeah, getting to be, getting to make my Broadway debut in a show that was nominated for Tony's and we didn't get to do it at Radio City that year, but we did it at the Beacon Theater. And it was just so exciting. I mean, it's kind of like all of the dreams and goals that you have as a kid growing up and wanting so badly to be a part of this community and a part of this world of theater and artistry and so many amazing people who came before us. It's like, it's finally here. Like, holy cow. You feel like you're at the top of the mountain and you know, you, you get to the theater and you get all your makeup on and your costume and your wig. And then they take you in a bus to the, wherever the Tonys are happening. And you're sitting in this holding room with this, basically the show before you and the show after you, that's going to perform. And so you're all like giddy and talking to each other there. And then, you know, they announce when it's your turn to go on. And then you go, you go on stage and there's all these cameras. And, oh, it's just like, it's so exciting. I haven't thought about this in a long time. So thank you for letting me revel in that joyous moment of my life. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's very exciting to be a part of for sure and something I will never forget. So going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in the theater? Well, I attribute that to public schools in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am forever indebted to Underwood Elementary School, Martin Middle School, Inlow High School. The public school system is so wonderful in Raleigh. And I was just so lucky to get to grow up, you know, in that system because my artistry was really nurtured and I got great training. And it really is because of those teachers and those classes that I was able to take that I pursued this industry. Of course, at first it was just a hobby. I didn't think that I would ever actually do it as a career. And it wasn't until I went to, well, I went to Interlochen Arts Camp in Michigan and that kind of like kickstarted everything. Like, oh gosh, maybe I could actually do this. And I came home from there and I started taking lessons with with Lisa Blair, who is still teaching in the Triangle area and is doing incredible work. And then I started doing some community theater in addition to the shows at my school. I did shows at um, Raleigh Little Theater and Theater in the Park. And that also helped to build my excitement and potential for pursuing this career. And yeah, basically I was, I mean, I was like a junior in high school and I said, well, I guess if I'm going to try this, I should try it. And I I was lucky enough to have parents who supported me and who still support me and, you know, recognize that this field is very volatile and there are no guarantees and more often than not, it's no. And, you know, so it is scary. It's typically a very unstable career, but they said, you know, you got to go for it. And I was very grateful for that, of course, and still am. And so I decided to 
go to college for it. And I applied to several different schools and I got into my dream school, which is the University of Michigan. And that was just another sign of like, okay, this is really happening. You know, we're going for it. Let's see what happens. And I got great training there at Michigan. And then we have our senior showcase in New York City. And that's how I got to New York City. So that's the journey in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. And the first time I ever heard of you was when the National Tour of Wicked came to Durham back in 2015, which happens to have been during my first year of writing for Broadway World. Remember. I remember when I came across an article from the News and Observer about how you're from Raleigh. I shared it with my mother, and she noticed that you were a graduate of her alma mater, Emlo High School. Oh my gosh, how cool! Oh my gosh, go Eagles! (laughs) Yeah, so how long were you in Wicked overall? Oh my gosh, I've been in and out of Wicked for about six years. I was on tour with Wicked for three years. Let's see, I was on the second national tour for two years and then the first national for one year. And then I did some subbing in and out of uh, New York. And then it wasn't until, I guess it was two years ago that I, a year and a half, my gosh, I like time, what is time anymore? I became the standby at Wicked uh, permanently for a year. Well, I guess it was a little over a year until I left to do Jagged. So that was a dream come true getting to play that role mm-hmm. on Broadway at the Gershwin Theater where I had first seen Wicked right after it opened actually I got to see it in December and it had opened in October 16 years ago and I will never forget where I was sitting and I called my mom at intermission and I said I have to be in the show one day I have to be I have to do this I know that I need to do this like that was it that was like the cherry on the ice cream sundae saying you got to go for this career and just see what happens And little did I know that I would be in that same theater, but on the stage. And gosh, it's still, it just, it gives me goosebumps. And every time I do the role, I look up to where I was sitting and I hope that I'm singing to a young person who is having those same, you know, doubts or questions and just even, you know, whatever career they decide to do or whatever, not even career, but life path of just like anything is possible, you know, keep the dream alive, keep the hope alive. Pretty special. And from what I'm aware of, several actresses who've played Elphaba in the past have had dreams related to that role. Has that happened to you? Oh, like dream, where I dream about it? Yes. You know, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I had, I mean, I definitely daydreamed about it. (laughs) I definitely would sit and say, oh, I want to do that one day, you know, but I don't know if I ever dreamed about it beforehand. I would have panicked dreams after I'd played the role. And sometimes I still do where I was standby for so long that, you know, you have to be ready to go on at a moment's notice. So I still get dreams sometimes where they're like, Laurel, you're on, you have to go. And they're doing my makeup, but they're not done in time. And then I go on stage and I'm like half green and half white. (laughs) Or the makeup artist is nowhere to be found and I'm trying to do it myself. And it's not sticking to my face because I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do the makeup. So I, I still have that dream too, which is really funny. So, and between you and your husband, there's at least five jukebox musical credits on both of your resumes. Not only was Rob most recently in the Tina Turner musical, but he's also a Jersey Boys alumni from having played Bob mm-hmm. Gaudio in the Las Vegas production, as well as having a small part as Joe Long in the Clint Eastwood-directed film adaptation. However, there is one major overlap where the two of you not only appeared in the Broadway production of Beautiful at the same time, but you both also got to go on as Carol King and Jerry Goffin together. What was that? We did. That was so cool. Oh my gosh. 
talk about, you know, life imitating art and art imitating life. That was wild. Like I can't even put into words, you know, when we were on that stage together and singing together and playing a married couple on stage while married and oh, it was so special. I mean, who would have ever thought we would have been given that opportunity? And actually, one of my favorite memories ever was on Rob's birthday, we got to play Carol and Jerry together and we had like all of our family come and I'm looking at him, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it was a really cool time in our lives. Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that you can't really put into words. You know, it's, I felt like so much of the time that we were on stage together, I was just kind of like floating. It didn't really feel real. And it's like you're watching yourself from above, it's kind of like a dream, but it was real. And we have pictures. And when I see the pictures, I'm just like, I can't believe that happened. What? And we got to do it several times together, which was really, really fun. And it also made it interesting, too, because we both covered several different characters in the show. We got to go on a lot together as different pairs of people. So, yeah, sometimes we were husband and wife. Sometimes I was Cynthia Weil and he was my boss as Donnie Kirshner. Sometimes I was Carol King and he was my boyfriend as Nick. It was fun. It was definitely a fun experience for both of us. I remember when the Facebook page for Beautiful posted about the first time you and Rob got to go on this Carol and Jerry together. I shared it with the people at Raleigh Little Theater, which was where the two of you first met. That's right. We met at Raleigh Little Theater. We both had the same voice teacher, Lisa Blair, and we actually met for the first time on her porch as I was leaving and Rob was entering. And we were getting ready to audition for Cinderella at Raleigh Little Theater, which is wild. And then, yeah, we got to know each other during Cinderella and started dating way back, way back when and had, you know, two prom or three proms together because Rob's a year older than me and he went to Millbrook High School. So I went to one Millbrook prom with him and two Enlow proms with him. So as of now, the Broadway shutdown is currently set to expire at the end of May next year. What do you expect the theater world to look like after this pandemic? I hope that it's going to look very different. I hope that we're all taking this time to really reevaluate a lot of things in terms of diversity and inclusivity, in terms of equity, in terms of power dynamics between casting creatives and producers, in terms of salaries in terms of roles written for men versus women and transgender. There's an opportunity for so much healing and progress and positive change. And I, I really hope that we come back from this so much better and so much more knowledgeable and willing to have tougher conversations and really be the industry that we claim to be, which is like, you know, a, a community of, again, of, of lovers, like artists are notoriously just, we love people, we love to give back, we love to share with an audience, it's, it's a communal experience. So that's my hope is that we can really apply those values on stage and like put it into commercial theater, which is the hardest thing to do, because it is a business, you know, and people always say, well, it's called show business. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be moral and it shouldn't be as inclusive and equitable as it should be. You know, that's no excuse for that for any business. So it can't go back to the way that it was, you know, kind of like society. Like we can't go back to the way it was because the way it was before wasn't working. So that's my hope in terms of, you know, just how the theater industry is run and what it looks like on and off stage. In terms of COVID, obviously the dream is to 
to come back when we can have theaters at full capacity, but I don't know if that's going to be possible for many more months. So I'm not sure. I know that the current estimate is May, uh, the end of May. I don't know if that means, you know, half capacity theaters or if that means you can only come if you've had a COVID test within the past five hours. You know, who knows? I do think it will look different for quite some time. Perhaps there will be more outdoor theater. I don't know, plexiglass, face shields, who knows? I, I Like literally, who knows? <laughs> so we're just kind of, you know, taking things as it comes and again, day at a time. And ultimately, and most importantly, just want to make sure that we don't reopen Broadway until it is 100% safe to do so because not one human life is worth risking anything. Indeed. Though most recently, North Carolina Theater announced that their upcoming season will offer patrons one of two options to see their productions. They can either come in person or stream the shows online in real time. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Well, I love the streaming option. What, I don't know. I mean, surely they're not at 100% capacity. I'm sure it's at like at least half and spaced out. I think in a way it, it could be easier for regional theaters to make this happen, at least at first, because typically they, well, I shouldn't say typically, but I guess I'll just speak on behalf of the theaters that I've worked in regionally. They have been larger than Broadway houses. And so I think it is easier to space people out. And there's also room regionally to do things out outdoors. There's not really any room to do that here in New York City. Right. <laughs> I guess you could take over Central Park or something. But yeah, a lot of regional theaters are surrounded by places outside that potentially could take the show outside as well. I am all for opening the theater as long as it's safe and people can be socially distanced and required to wear face masks, of course, the whole time. I know that a lot of people are doing temperature checks. I think that's great, but it's also not a surefire way, of course, to guarantee if someone has COVID or not, because as we know, you can be asymptomatic and be a COVID carrier, or you can have COVID and experience other symptoms that aren't fever. So that's been my only thing about the temperature check is I appreciate it, but it's also not a guarantee to, you know, make sure that everyone entering your theater is not COVID positive. So I think the only way really to do to guarantee would be to test everyone to like do a rapid test before everyone enters the theater and then make sure that they're negative and of course continue the social distancing and, and mask wearing but streaming probably the safest thing but if people feel comfortable going out and again like all the other safety precautions are taken then I think that's fine but again I am not a doctor so. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had I've had COVID as you said I know that it can be very intense and very scary, and I would not risk anything to put myself in a position that could potentially cause that again. Well, Laurel, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. You too. Thank you so much. You had such great questions, and oh my gosh, you really did your research. I am impressed. You were <laughs> just like spouting out all the facts and making me feel really cool about myself. So thank you for that. That was a nice little ego hug <laughs> that I haven't <laughs> had in a while. You, I really appreciate it. And I, I wish you the very best and hope that you continue to stay safe and healthy. I hope so too. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can people find you on the internet? Sure. Well, if you're interested in taking any classes or doing a Q&A, or if you'd like to talk about the business more, or if you want a personalized song, you can find me at empoweringtheartist.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, and I'm at Laurel NYC. So those are probably the best 
ways to keep in touch and find me. And thank you again for joining me today, Oral. This was great. Of course. Thank you so much. Be well. Happy fall. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.